Hello and welcome to another of our Memcasts. We've got Dr Jessica Williams with us here today, a consultant gastroenterologist from Derby Hospital. And we're going to talk today about treatment options in inflammatory bowel disease. Mainly treatment in either ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease is aimed at inducing and maintaining remission. Mm-hmm. And the treatment regimes are similar in both forms of IBD. And so I'll talk a little bit about the things that are exceptions to that rule and then talk a bit more generally. So we'll talk about 5-ASAs. So these are your mesalazine drugs, so brand names, Pentasa, Octasa, all of those. Traditionally, every patient with a diagnosis of IBD got given these, but actually we weren't doing the right thing. And in fact, in the last 15 years, we've gradually managed to stop giving 5-ASAs to most people with Crohn's disease. So they're generally only used in ulcerative colitis. There's some evidence for the use in isolated left-sided Crohn's colitis. But on the whole, 5-ASAs are a UC drug rather than a Crohn's drug. Mm -hmm. So elemental diet we use in Crohn's disease, but we don't use in ulcerative colitis. And there's good evidence for diet, predominantly in the paediatric population, which I don't deal with, but also within adult gastroenterology, there are patients with Crohn's who will do really well with either a liquid diet or a proper elemental diet. Methotrexate we also use in Crohn's disease, but not ulcerative colitis. We don't use a lot of it. It's a bit of an unpleasant drug, particularly given that lots of our patients are relatively young and of childbearing age. We use metronidazole in Crohn's disease for perianal disease at some points, but it's obviously not for use in ulcerative colitis. In terms of biologics, we've got one biologic drug at the moment, which is only licensed for use in ulcerative colitis, although trials are underway in Crohn's. So that's something called tofacitinib, which is sold under the brand name Zeljans, which is a JAK inhibitor, and it's oral. So that's quite an exciting development. And I think it could be something that we use a lot more in the next five to 10 years, perhaps. Estekinumab, so that's an interleukin inhibitor, is only licensed for Crohn's disease, but in lots of other countries it's used in ulcerative colitis and there's currently a nice review going on and I suspect in 2020 we'll get the go-ahead from NICE to use estekinumab in moderate to severe ulcerative colitis as well. So those are the, the exceptions, there's quite a lot of them really aren't there, but There are also a lot of drugs that we use in both diseases. In the UK and in Europe, actually, generally, we tend to adopt a step-up approach to treatment. If you go to the States, often they'll use a top-down approach, but I think that's at least in part related to the fact that they pay for their healthcare. So we use a step-up approach, and we'll use a fairly rapid step-up approach if people are not settling. So... I'll talk a bit about the agents that we use for those. So in ulcerative colitis, where you haven't induced remission or maintained remission with 5-ASAs on their own, and in all people with Crohn's disease, we usually use steroid as our first port of call. So either intravenously as hydrocortisone, orally as prednisolone or budesonide and in some cases topical steroids as well rectally 
If we find that people are either steroid dependent or steroid refractory, or they're just needing recurrent courses of steroid to keep them well, then we need to look at steroid sparing agents because of the long-term side effects of giving corticosteroids. The next thing we'd use would be a thiopurine. So those are your azathioprine and 6-mecaptopurine. We tend to start people on azathioprine. 6-mecaptopurine is a good alternative if people get side effects. And we'll sometimes add in allopurinol if side effects are unbearable because it does attenuate some of those and it can allow you to give thiopurines in people who get abnormal liver function tests. And then beyond the thiopurines, we start to get into the realms of the biologic medications. There are plenty. <laughs> Usually, to begin with, we will use an anti-TNF drug. So those are things like infliximab, adalimumab and golimumab. They're the ones that are licensed in inflammatory bowel disease. Actually, they're the only ones we had for a lot of years, but over the last decade our biologics and what we have available to us has, has increased significantly and I think that's going to continue. So we usually use an anti-TNF if people need a biologic. There is some recent evidence to suggest that vedolizumab, one of the anti-integrin drugs, is as effective as the anti-TNFs in people who haven't had any biologics before. That's a recent study. I think time will tell whether we start using it as an either-or option. And the anti-TNFs are a bit more demanding in terms of what the patients need to do because they're either given by infusion or by subcutaneous injection. And clearly, if they're given by infusion, patients have got to come to hospital for them. So there's a sort of quality of life impact with them. Vedalizumab mm -hmm. we mainly use in moderate ulcerative colitis that we can't get control of otherwise. But there is some evidence in Crohn's disease as a second line biologic. Again, that's given by infusion. So there is a range of biologics available to us, but I think the most important thing is that they're specialist initiated and that they're initiated through an MDT approach. We sit down every week and talk about all our complex patients, surgeons, radiologists, gastroenterologists, specialist nurses, and we make sure that those things are reviewed regularly as well. Brilliant. So that's a great run through of maintenance and chronic treatment for IBD. When we get a patient who's got IBD who's got a flare-up how would we approach those sort of patients? So again the most important thing is history and examination. You need to do some basic investigations in terms of stool cultures particularly even if they've got known IBD it doesn't stop them having C. diff or campylobacter gastroenteritis or, or any of those other things so they're really important but if you think that this is an unwell patient with a flare of inflammatory bowel disease then you should treat with steroid mm -hmm. that can sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable because they'll often have big white cell counts big crps sometimes temperatures and we can get very worried about whether they've got coexistent infection you'll get probably a different answer from every gastroenterologist you speak to but i would say try and be brave give the steroids if you're really nervous then give them some antibiotic as well they probably won't need it and you'll end up stopping it in 24 48 hours but don't delay giving the steroids to an acutely unwell ibd patient mm -hmm. in terms of other management they all need to have low molecular weight heparin because of the clot risk associated with active ibd so even if they're adequately mobile and running down to Costa every five minutes. They still need that. 
basic investigations, plain abdominal film. If you're at all concerned that there's perforation, surgical review and probably cross-sectional imaging is reasonable in Crohn's patients. But steroids are really the mainstay of treatment when they first arrive in that first 24 to 48 hours. We'll make assessments after that to look at the severity of their disease and those will be based on things like the Travis criteria which assess the severity of acute severe colitis or our clinical picture if it's a Crohn's patient. Those assessments include looking at the CRP, the temperature, the number of bowel movements per day and whether they've responded to steroid at all. And those are what tell us whether we should be escalating treatment after 72 hours of intravenous steroid. But for the time being, in terms of what you do on the MAU, it's about getting the steroid into the patient, really. And then if the patient is not improving or deteriorating, it's involving the surgeons as well in certain cases. When would we be worried enough to involve the surgical team? So I think surgical review in unwell IBD patients is important if people are not responding to steroids. So we always have to have our eye to the fact that people with acute severe ulcerative colitis may ultimately not respond to medical treatment and require a colectomy. Probably wouldn't phone them as soon as they walk through the door. But on day two or three, if things are no better, we should certainly be ringing our surgical colleagues. In Crohn's patients, if people have got an obvious collection. If there's perforating disease, so uh, spontaneous perforation, then clearly the surgeons need to get involved. But we don't ask them to see all our IBD patients by any stretch. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your advice. And that's the end of our talk today. Thank you very much for listening.